Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Fauché, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Have you ever wondered what life looks like in the home countries of our ELL newcomer students? Well, today we are in for a treat. One of my very good friends, Ellie Burdett, is joining me today to share with us a firsthand perspective of what life is like for many of our refugee students. Ellie now lives in the Middle East and is privileged to serve refugees and internally displaced populations. Her work consists of teaching English to refugee children who do not have access to school, as well as working with local educators to train on best practices. It's going to be a good episode. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, Ellie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you could be here today. Hi, Beth. I'm honored to be here and thank you so much for inviting me on. This is going to be a real treat for all of our listeners. A little background, Ellie grew up here in Panama. And so she is a third culture kid and now is going to share about her experience of living in a different country. And it's going to be very insightful for you all to know just a little bit of background of where she's at and what she's doing, because I know that many teachers in the United States are receiving students from areas in the Middle East. And so she's going to give us some insight into how to support the students and the families and really help them feel welcomed as they immigrate to the United States. So Ellie, why don't you start with sharing just a little bit about your educational experience and then what your role is now? So I got my bachelor's degree in elementary and special education. And my first job out of college was teaching kindergarten in a very culturally diverse area of North Carolina. This was honestly my dream job. I never intended to leave, but my husband was offered a job in Iraq 
And after much prayer and discussion, we decided to make the move. And when we first arrived, I worked for a time at a local school teaching special education and English for elementary age students. I now work with an international organization as an education specialist. My job involves working with local teachers to build their capacity, as well as writing and refining curriculum to better serve the needs of the students we're working with. And in the evenings, I am currently teaching English classes for Syrian refugee children who do not have access to school. Wow, that is incredible. And Ellie is just one of those people that all schools need (laughs) to have the educational background of special ed. Plus, she's bilingual, grew up speaking Spanish and English, and then just has a heart for helping the diverse students that were in her classroom. So now she's using that in whole new ways, supporting the teachers that are there in the in Iraq. And then also, like she said, supporting the Syrian refugees. So this is why I wanted to have her on the show, because she is going to bring so much insight into these same students that are entering into the United States and entering into many classrooms around the United States. And I know as teachers, we want to do everything we can to help support these students. But a lot of times we don't know what to do or how, what's the best way to support them when they've come from really difficult situations. Now, before we dive into that, Will you just give us a little insight into what it's like to live in Iraq? I know most of us listening probably have not had the chance to go and see firsthand what that's like. So will you just give us a little insight into that? Yes, of course. So living in Iraq is honestly a great gift to me. I feel like it's a crash course in all things life, culture, history, and I'm in a melting pot of religions and languages So I'm constantly learning, which as a lifelong learner is a a real gift. (laughs) And it's also a very humbling experience because I spend most of my days in contexts where I'm unfamiliar with the language. I don't know the culture very well. So it's reminded me to always keep my eyes and ears open and stay in a posture of learning. That is wonderful. And something I think we all can continue to learn, you know, even when we're experienced teachers, I think many teachers are facing as they're receiving refugee students and newcomers in their class, feeling that same humble posture of, okay, I need to be open to learning how to do this. And I think like you'll, you've learned, it's such an incredible experience when you have that posture and you learn so much from the students and from their families that are life-changing. Now let's dive into, can you give us a glimpse of what education looks like in Iraq, in in many of the Middle Eastern countries? What is it looking like right now post pandemic? And what are some things that are happening? Yeah. So most of the world kind of fell apart with the COVID pandemic, but Iraq has been experiencing crisis for long before that. So starting in 2003, up until about right now, Iraq has been in a war. So from 2003 to 2011, the Iraq war was going on. And then there was a slight respite before ISIS began wreaking havoc on the nation in 2014. So years of conflict have weakened the capacity of the Iraqi government to deliver education to all children. Uh, Wars, damage of school buildings and mass displacement of families have led to many children being unable to go to school or only going to school irregularly, like 
Right now, for example, students only go to school two or three days a week for half of the day. And that's due to the fact that there are not enough school buildings because they've been destroyed and more. There are not enough teachers because the wages are so low. And also because many families are living in camps. They're still displaced. They're living far away from everything that is familiar to them. And camps have smaller schools that aren't able to provide education to as many children at a time. And also, the pandemic brought a new challenge to the education in Iraq because not only were children only able to attend school a few days a week, it became an issue that no children could really access education because they didn't have devices or internet access while they're living in camps or in crisis-affected areas. So really, children in Iraq have lost years and years and years of learning due to the crises the nation has faced and now the global pandemic. Wow. And this is a big reason I wanted you to come on the show, because it's so important that we see the global view of what's happening in education. You know, sometimes we get very caught up in in the hardships of teaching in the U.S., which there are a lot of hardships, but it's important to put into perspective of what education looks like in other countries around the world. So now, Ellie, you also mentioned that you are working with Syrian refugees at night because, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't even get the opportunity to attend school. Is that correct? That is correct. So the Syrian refugee population and even some um, internally displaced Iraqis have no access to education because they don't have civil documentation. So they don't have the paperwork that's required to register at local public schools. And therefore, they're kept out of any sort of education besides education that's provided by NGOs and humanitarian relief organizations. Wow. So again, the importance of of finding those organizations and supporting and standing behind them because what you're doing is incredible work and so, so necessary. So let's dive in because we have many of these refugees entering the United States and are in the classrooms now in public schools. What tips can you share on how homeroom teachers and ESL teachers can support their students and also their families that are coming into the U.S.? And what should teachers be aware of when they're building relationships with these families? That's a great question. I have four simple tips that will help welcome these students and their families into your classrooms and your school buildings. So the first one, I would recommend all teachers educate themselves the effects of trauma on student learning. So as I mentioned, in the nation of Iraq, children have been witnesses of terrible crises. Many have had to leave everything behind and have lost families, family members along the way. And I think we see this in our classrooms. Even when I was working in the U.S., I saw a lot of these children that were coming from places like Guatemala and other places. They had experienced so much that their brains were just in a survival mode. They were just glad to be in a place where they were safe. And I think often as educators, we can, we can get frustrated when we're not seeing academic progress. But my advice would be to just educate yourself on how trauma impacts children and just know that they're so glad to be in a safe learning environment. And that's enough for right now. A great book that will help with this is Fostering Resilient Learners by Kristen Sowers and Pete Hall. I read this book right before I arrived, 
And I keep reflecting back on it as I work with populations who experience great trauma. The second tip I have for you is to educate yourself on your student's home country. Just get familiar with the basics of what they have fled from, what was going on in their country. This will help you develop empathy for them that will change the way you teach them. Mm-hmm. The third tip is learn a few f- simple phrases in their native language. This will mean so, so much to them. Phrases like, hello, how are you? Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This will help them feel your love and they'll feel truly welcome. I know as I am struggling to learn Arabic, I often stumble through phrases as I'm greeting people or trying to introduce myself. And though I know I am not saying things correctly, I see a glimmer of hope and joy in the eyes on the receiving end. So that will make a big difference. And my final and fourth tip is just be patient. Uh, Remember that many of these children have limited access to education in their home countries due to the unstable situations they're coming from. So they may not even be literate in their own native tongue. Give them time to adjust and become their greatest cheerleader. That is so well said, Ellie. Thank you so much for those tips. And I love that they're really simple and the simple tips can go such a long way in impacting those newcomers and their families. I mean, just even extending that greeting to the family when they come in, in their native language or having something written in their native language, it shows them that they are welcomed in the building, in the school, in the classroom and it makes them feel comfortable and safe. And after years of not you saying these, these families and these students have been displaced, they haven't been in a safe environment in years and maybe for their life. And so to be that person that you can create that safe environment to help build that opportunity for them to learn is such an incredible opportunity that we all have as educators. Now, I want to get a little bit into your other part of your job that you do, and you get to do some teacher training, which is really incredible because this is another part I think that we forget is in many other countries, their teacher training doesn't look exactly like it does in the United States. And the professional development doesn't exactly look like that. And we both know what it looks like in Panama, and I'm sure it's very similar or even worse in in Iraq. And so how are you helping to support those teachers? And how can teachers in the United States maybe connect with organizations or things going on that can help support the teachers, support education initiatives in other countries around the world? Yeah, great question. So first of all, working with local teachers here has been one of the greatest honors of my life. I never thought I would be in a role like this. I never wanted to leave the classroom, but getting to walk alongside teachers who they themselves, many are living in camps. Many have had to pause their education because they ran out of money or they paused for years while they were displaced and just began school again. It's just been so amazing to see their resilience and their commitment to serving their own people. So I love getting to see a teacher who is currently living in the camps teaching a child who is also living in the camps because they can connect with that child much better than I as a Westerner who's lived a comfortable life ever could. That's an amazing part of my job is just learning from them truly and 
and being convicted by how I don't have gratitude for the small things in life, like the luxury of having a home and safe, safe and warm bedroom and heat and AC and all of these things that aren't necessarily true for all of the teachers I work with. And the other part of working with teachers and training them is that I get to see them immediately apply what they learn. And I know as an educator, I haven't always been the most receptive to training or professional (laughs) development. You know, you kind of just sit through it because you have to do it and you're writing your emails or grading papers at the same time. But teachers here haven't had that luxury of being trained and equipped so that they can best serve their students. And so they are hungry to learn. They're excited about learning and they really soak everything up and apply it immediately. So it's been so exciting to see them grow and their the way that they engage with their students and the way that they make the content they're teaching come alive. And as for those interested in finding ways to connect with what's going on around the world. I know there are many, many organizations that do this well, but I would just recommend doing research and learning about the different countries. And if you have a contact like me, for example, or someone else that you know, I think the best way to get connected is through personal relationships, especially in this region where security isn't always consistent. We have highs and lows. We had some missiles last week. So yeah, I would say get familiar with people on Instagram or Facebook or whatever who work in these parts of the world and reach out to them directly. That is wonderful advice. And Ellie has said that she is willing to share her email with anybody who, you know, we'll put it in the show notes. And so if you do have interest and you want to hear more about what's going on in ways that you can help either through maybe doing virtual training or sending and donating money to help support, you know, in one camp alone, how many people are living in that one camp that you're working with? Well, we work in a variety of camp. One of the biggest camps that we work in, we have a community center and right now it is home to around 30,000 internally displaced people. So there are serious needs that they have that they're trying to meet. And so any help is is very beneficial. And we just know how the impact of education can go and change a life and change a family and change a community. And I love that you're helping support the teachers who are in the camp as well, that are working with the children in the camp and they're building that relationship. I mean, what a beautiful model. So Ellie, thank you all that you're doing there. It's incredible. I'm so thankful for your insight that you've been able to share with us today. And we will put those things in the show notes. That book you mentioned sounds like a great resource to go and check out. And like Ellie mentioned, you know, just hearing people's stories, when you have a face to what is going on and you hear someone's story, you're forever changed. You can approach the families that you're receiving and the students you're receiving with, with such a different light and with empathy and an understanding. I know it's helped me to understand people's stories and to know then where to begin with them instead of feeling this pressure of, the academic success and we need to push this on them. And this is all that matters is academics. For a lot of our students, that's not going to be the case right away. You know, it's really about building that trust and that safe place for them. And so learning their stories helps make that come to life and helps you realize all of us, our position, our role in having these global classrooms. 
right, right inside our classroom, wherever you're at in the United States is becoming a global classroom. So thank you so much, Ellie. I appreciate you taking your time today. And again, if you have any questions for Ellie, you can reach out or reach out to me and I can connect with her because this is really insightful. Yes. Thank you, Beth, for having me on. And I wish all of you the best as you connect with um, nukes from the Middle East. (laughs) All right. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.